Coming up on the Assassin's Podcast, we've got Joe Pompliano, Mr. Pomp, co-founder and CEO of Huddle Up, joining the show to talk about his journey to 2 billion social impressions, 25 million YouTube views, and building one of the most successful content platforms in the business of sports. Joe shares a couple of stories about how he landed podcast guests like Ice Cube, Troy Aikman, Lance Armstrong, just a bunch of top-tier athletes, and also how he thinks about the companies that he invests in, his criteria for that. And then we round it out with his perspective on working with his brothers to build a brand and winning as a family. Joe is an awesome guy. We caught up actually at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. So we recorded this a couple weeks ago. So toward the end, you will hear Joe's and my poorly selected picks for March Madness. And the verdict is still out on the NBA season here. So we're right in the middle stretch. But wanted to run this because if you are a content-focused founder, Joe is just crushing on that level and a ton of really great insights for you as you get your community up, running, and scaling. All right, content assassins, without further ado, let's get into the show. Giddy up. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything. Gation the game. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your host, Justin Vandehey, here at the Assassin's Podcast, where every week we have founders on the show talking about their companies, how they got them off the ground, taking them from zero to one. This week on the podcast, we've got a special guest on. He's an entrepreneur and an investor. He is one of the fastest growing personalities in the sports business, and he's built one of the most successful daily newsletters in Huddle Up, where he breaks down the business behind sports. Joe Pomp, welcome to the Assassin's Podcast. That was an awesome intro. Thanks, Justin. I'm happy to be here, man. For sure, man. So I didn't delve too far into your background, but I know we had a, we had a chance to catch up briefly at Sloan. I'd love maybe if you'd be cool just sharing a little bit more about your background and just the story behind founding Huddle Up. Yeah, I'll give you the uh, the long and the short version. I grew up in North Carolina. I have four brothers, so we played every sport you could imagine, basketball, football, baseball, but also air hockey, ping pong, wiffle ball, whatever it was. Literally just love sports. So when I grew up, I, I thought I wanted to be a sports agent. That's what I wanted for years. I interned at a company called Octagon Sports Agency in college, one of the major agencies here in the United States. And I had a great experience, but I learned that I didn't want to be a sports agent. It's just a really tough business. A lot of it's kind of monopolized by a few of the largest players, and it's just really hard to break in. So I moved up to New York City after school. I started working in finance. I spent the last few years, kind of call it the early part of my uh, 20s, middle part of my 20s at JP Morgan on the wealth management side for trading fixed income. So literally trading bonds for wealthy people. Great job, fun time, loved the people I worked with, but I literally sat there and I just said to myself, is this what I wanna do forever? And the reason why I was thinking about that was because there's people you're working with in those roles and anyone who's ever worked in finance knows this, that 
uh, everything's really structured. You know, you go from analyst, associate, vice president, eventually executive director, managing director, whatever, right? And like your responsibilities grow, you know, your salary grows, everything like that. But it's very predetermined and structured kind of where you're going to head up. And you can see yourself 20, 30, 40, even years into the future. And the, the answer was pretty simple for me. It was no. So I thought there was an amazing opportunity to start creating content at the intersection of, of sports and business. It was two things that I spent a lot of time, personal time doing anyways. And I looked at the landscape and I just didn't think there was anyone doing it really well at the time on, on social platforms and so forth. So the, the whole play there was to build this audience, uh, leverage that audience to monetize it through sponsorships and then use a lot of that sponsorship money to invest in companies, which was ultimately what I wanted to do early stage startup investing. So I started doing it while I was at JP Morgan. I started tweeting, I started a newsletter and it's expanded from there. I was able to leave the, the job full time, maybe, you know, three or four months later. And I've been doing that for the past, call it two and a half years. And the business has grown substantially over that time. The newsletter has almost 100,000 subscribers now, 190 countries. Well, we did 2 billion impressions last year across social media. We've had some amazing guests on the podcast, do 25 million views on, on YouTube a month. So yeah, it's been good, but it was, uh, uh, it was not what I original, initially intended to do, but, but I'm certainly happy with how it's played out. Selfishly, that's why I'm having you on here because, like I said, I'm going to just pick your brain and figure out how the hell to scale the Assassin's brand. So I'm actively taking notes over here as we're as we're having this conversation. So learning yeah. along with you, trust me. I um, it's funny people always ask me. I, I do these conferences and I do podcasts or interviews or even consulting and stuff too. And like certainly some of it, I think I probably had a good understanding of before I started. But I've learned a tremendous amount over the last few years too. And, and I think that's part of it, right? Now I'm able to give some of this advice or talk people through it because I've been through the fire, but ultimately yeah. the best experience is just trying. And I think my knowledge has compounded over the last few years, but it's not anything anyone else can't do. A lot of this stuff is teachable and, and people can learn it. It's just a matter of the time and the reps. For sure. Yeah. I mentioned this. I'm a huge fan of the Joe Pomp show. And you alluded to the fact that you've had some killer guests on the uh, the Lance Armstrong and Jay Williams episodes were really great. I uh, love the Ice Cube feature as well. Big Ice Cube fan. And one thing I noticed in listening to a couple of the episodes is that you really ask thoughtful and oftentimes really tough questions, especially in that Lance inter that Lance interview that was really, really well done. Two questions in that. How have you thought about the guests that you look to invite onto the show and sort of like how it fits the narrative that you want to tell? would be really, really curious to hear your thought process around that. And then just more tactically, like how the hell do you get on Ice Cube's calendar? How do you actually go about landing some of these insane guests? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the first, the answer to the first question. It's actually pretty simple. I, I'm willing to have anyone on the podcast that I think is going to be an interesting conversation. It's literally that simple. I think if there's, obviously you want to kind of keep it if your podcast is about finance, you should probably keep it around finance. If it's about art, you should probably keep it around art. And same thing applies to sports business. But if there's any interesting angle there where, where I think the person will be interesting to talk to, that's great. And like Ice Cube's a perfect example. People don't think of him when it comes to sports, but he certainly plays a huge role in, in culture. And he has the big three, which is actually what we were scheduled to talk about. Yep. And that leads me into the second topic and the second question, which is how to book some of these guests. And there's a few different tricks you can go about to, to do these certain things. One of the ones that I've utilized is the audience is super helpful, right? So just building up distribution on different platforms gives you an authority to reach out to people. 
So when people follow me, you know, I DM them. I say, hey, thanks for the follow. I love what you're doing. A little bit about me, whatever, and just introduce yourself and go back and forth. And eventually uh, you, can, you can ask them. Cold DMs work, cold emails work, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's more of a game of just getting shots on goal. But I think ultimately the, the thing that's been the most helpful in booking some of these guests is figuring out how you can make it a win-win for both of you. So hmm. when it comes to Ice Cube, they reached his PR team reached out to me and said, Hey, look, we follow the newsletter. We've seen the podcast. Ice Cube would love to come on and talk about the big three and some of the things that they're doing this year. And I was like, awesome, great. Right. And you spend maybe 15 minutes of the hour talking about the big three, which is something I wanted to talk about anyways. And then you have them for 45 additional minutes to talk about whatever the hell you want. So yeah. I think if you're able to make it a win-win, it's a no-brainer. And I've, I've carried that throughout, right? I had Troy Aikman on and Troy Aikman, yep. we talked about his beer company for 15 minutes because he wanted to market his beer company. And I actually ask every guest right before we start, is there anything specifically that you want to talk about? Because in a lot of times people want to market the projects they're working on, the companies they're invested in, the books they're writing, whatever it is. And that's been really helpful because at the end of the day, look, you're, you're, it's mutually beneficial. You're trying to help them get in front of more people. You're trying to help their, their message get out and they're doing the same for you, right? They're helping grow the podcast. They're sharing the podcast. They're doing all these different things. So I think it's a combination of just hustling and like trying to get in front of as many people as possible and then giving them an avenue and a platform for them to talk about what they want to. That's spot on. Awesome advice. For Huddle Up, uh, you touched on a couple of these, these points already, but it's one of the fastest growing daily newsletters in sports business. And we, have, frankly, like we haven't had many content. I'm calling you the content assassin. We haven't had many content assassins on the pod. And I guess you sort of alluded to this too. It's, it's really around just an interesting conversation, but I'd be curious to hear more about if you have any ideas around suggestions or recommendations for entrepreneurs that are working to grow their audience. It sounds like social is obviously a big one, just being direct and hitting people up, even in direct email, but just more about bigger pump brand. How have you thought about approaching sort of growth or are there other acquisition channels or growth channels that you found have worked really well as you've grown your, your content business? I started mostly with Twitter. So I built the Substack, the newsletter and Twitter simultaneously. And I didn't necessarily have a plan. I just knew that I wanted to use a, a top of funnel approach like Twitter, where you're able to reach the masses, people that, you know, it, it pushes your, your content for you. And then I wanted to funnel them down into somewhere that I owned and, and email addresses is exactly that. So that's what I set out to do and it's gone well. But what I learned along the way is if you think about content in its simplest form, you really need two things to be able to grow an audience. You need good content and you need distribution. If, if the content's not good, it doesn't matter who sees it, right? It's just, it's not going to grow. People aren't going to care and vice versa. If uh, you have amazing content, but no one sees it and no one knows that it, it exists, the content's not going to grow. So you need both of those things to grow. So you start thinking about the ways that you can do this, right? There, there's certainly Twitter was the most valuable platform to me because it's an open network in the fact that they push your content. It's really easy for things, not easy, but like things can go viral fairly quickly as compared to other things. Instagram is a little bit more tough. TikTok has obviously changed the game in some of these regards. But from a text-based platform, if you're trying to get people to a newsletter, I don't think there's anything better than Twitter. So what I was doing was, anyone that's on Twitter now knows that this has become commonplace. But when I started doing it a couple of years ago, it wasn't nearly as popular. And all I did was I took the newsletter one day and I broke it down. I, I literally copied and pasted whatever would fit in a tweet. And it was like 10 or 12 tweets long. And I tweeted it out. And I was like, oh, here's a thread on my newsletter today. Mm. And I went from getting like, you know, 20 likes on my tweet to 50 likes. And I was like, damn, that was pretty cool. It looks like people like the content. I just need to get it in front of more people. So yeah. then I did that literally every night for every Monday through Friday for six months. And it changed over time, right? Like the first week I was just doing the, the newsletter. 
Then the second week I was spacing things out and I was putting lists and I was making it more readable and putting transitions and making it flow easier. And then like third week and fourth week, I was doing things that weren't necessarily the newsletter. They were just amazing stories. Then fifth week, I'm adding pictures, right? There's just so many different ways you can optimize it. And it goes back to what I was saying before. I think the number one piece of advice on some of this stuff for content creation in general is just you need to start with quantity and then you move to quality, right? So Mm. I was tweeting 10 times a day. I was writing a newsletter Monday through Friday every single morning. Because most of the time, when you start something new, you're going to suck. I had literally no writing background. I didn't yeah. go to school for journalism. Right? I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. I was just writing my thoughts. And, and people joke, they're like, you write exactly how you talk. And that's yeah. literally what I was doing. I was just talking and I was just writing. And I was getting better and better and better and better. And it's the same thing with Twitter. You tweet something, you realize what people like, what goes well, how to structure things, how to make things uh, engineered to go viral and stuff like that. So you got to get as many reps in as possible. And then once you figure out once you get better and you figure out what people want, that's when you can scale things down and really focus on quality. And then I think the third step from there is, is a quality and quantity approach where you're so good at it now, you've been doing it for years and you've gotten the reps in that you're able to do really high quality work at a consistent quantity or a consistent clip. And I think that's where the, where like the holy grail is for all the creators is, is if you can do your best work really consistent on a high quality basis, then it's a home run. I joke. The reason your last comment really resonated, I had one of my buddies on second podcast. His name is Rocco. Shout out to Rocco, Reggie.ai. They're in like generative AI space. I said something, I was like, man, we got to re-record that podcast that we did about eight months ago because it it honestly, it sounded like we were, it was like a first time sexual encounter experience. Like it was super awkward. It was like we both entered into this thing and we both know this is really, really uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. So I feel like you're right. The whole idea of getting in reps every time. And he just laughed. He's like, all right, we'll get it back on the couch. Oh, because yeah, I feel dude, like we're a little I, bit um, more comfortable now. Uh, when I look back at some of the things that I did early on, it's like cringeworthy, right? You're like, why did I write yeah. like that? Why did I say that? Why did I tweet that? Whatever. But at the end yeah. of the day, right? Like people forget that type of stuff. It's all about what you're doing now and, and, and how you've improved and stuff like that. And I think the most important thing for me that's been really helpful is just, I legitimately love doing this stuff. Right. I would be doing all of this even if it wasn't my job. I was reading all the stuff. I was sending it to friends. I was talking to friends about this before I even started tweeting about it. And I think that that has come through in a lot of the work is just like I'm passionate about it. And I think that's been really helpful and, and has created a bond with subscribers and followers and stuff like that because they know, look, I may make a mistake. I may say something stupid. I may not write in the best way or whatever it is, but you know that every time you see one of my things, you're either going to learn something or you're at least going to appreciate the thoughtfulness that I put into it. And I think that kind of realization for the audience is extremely valuable. Okay. I know you also mentioned you, you're an active investor, have been investing in companies. I'd love to hear your perspective on just either frameworks or some of the criteria that y'all have used as you've evaluated either the entrepreneurs or the opportunities that, that you've invested in. Yeah. I don't think there's like a magical framework. I've invested in a, a million different things from sports things, technology things. I invested in a, a bagel company. Uh, so like, you know, there's there's a, nice. a million different things. I think for me, when it comes to uh, the things that I get most excited about, it's just asymmetric opportunities, right? What What is the, the, the highest percentage upside? Because in venture, what's the worst that happens, right? You lose your money, things go to zero. And that happens quite a lot for, for people that aren't active investors and stuff like that. And you're looking for opportunities that are home runs, the, the most asymmetric upside bets that you can think of. So those are things that people typically don't think are possible or people think are crazy or people think are stupid. 
And obviously you want to have a good founder, a strong team, good operators, that type of thing. You obviously want to follow smart capital or people who have, who have done a good job making these bets and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think you're looking for the, the most asymmetric upside bets that you can make. And if, if you're able to follow that and you're able to stomach some of the zeros, the, the good opportunities and the winners more than pay for those for sure. Okay. I know uh, you've also worked, you mentioned pretty closely with your brothers over the years. And I similarly, I co-founded my company Disco with my brother and ups and downs, right? We had some pretty epic, epic throwdowns over the years. I've alluded to that on the podcast a couple of times, but would love to hear your experience working with your brothers and just your perspective in general on working with family on, uh, on venture and business stuff. It's great, man. I love it. Um, look, you know, we, we, uh, Three of the five of us live here in Miami. We have an office space. I get to see them all the time. So it's awesome. I uh, Look, it's it's not for everyone, for sure. I think that you have to have a strong relationship. I think that you need to have tough skin. I think that you you can't take things too seriously. But if you're able to do it, I don't think there's anything better. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to spend more time with the people that you care about and the people that are close to you. So it's awesome. And look, no one no one likes uh, winning alone. you know. So if you're able to do that with with your family... There's a few things better than that, in my opinion. All right. I didn't prep you for this question. We're in the season of March, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to know who you got in the finals. March Madness. Who's standing there at the end of March? Uh, I would have said Purdue before this, but I don't know how I feel about them over the last few weeks. Houston? Is that, a, is that an unpopular Not pick? Bad. No, I don't think so. They look good. Yeah, they look good. I feel like uh, Houston's U- UCLA, solid maybe. Pick. I mean, those. I feel like there's like five to ten teams that could win, and I'm obviously just picking favorites here. But yeah, you, you tell me who you think. I was gonna say UCLA is sort of my sleeper. Yeah, and I feel like Indiana that the Trice, ja- what's his name, Jackson. I can't remember. I'm bl- I'm blanking on his name. But the tall dude from Purdue is no joke either. I think oh, yeah, I'm like a seven it. foot person. Yeah, he's massive. Um, okay. Follow up question: NBA. This is the last one I'm asking you. That's sports related. Who do you have? Who do you have in the finals? Ah, um, I think the Suns will figure it out. I saw we're recording this on on Thursday, and I don't know when it's going to get released. But Kevin Durant slipped and hurt his ankle before he could play his first home game. Oh, I saw that. So depending on his health, I think you know if he gets healthy and they go into the playoffs with with the lineup that they could have, I think they're going to be really tough to beat. So we'll go with them out of the West, and then Boston out of the East, and then I think honest answer. I don't know who would win from there, but yeah. I mean, it all depends, right? Like the sun, the suns, it's kind of like a gamble to pick them because you just don't know if they're all going to, you know, gel and jive and if they're going to be healthy, but I think their lineup's yeah. really, really, really strong if, if they're able to, to pull together. I agree on the suns. I think it's going to be stellar. I think Denver Phoenix in the West is going to be insane. And then Milwaukee, Boston in the East is going to be insane. Oh, and we'll see the what Bucks come out? happens from there. I am a huge, I'm a Wisconsinite oh, okay. and uh, diehard. Bucks fan, so uh, by the nature of everything I stand for, I've got to back Giannis in this. But I mean, uh, I love Giannis. I yeah. think Giannis is one of the most entertaining basketball players we've ever seen. He's incredible. So yeah. I certainly wouldn't be mad about that. And when they won it last time, he uh, produced some amazing content. So I'm all for that again. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the Chick Fil A was definitely the highlight. I feel like oh, yeah, fifty was... piece nugget. Awesome, dude. All right, well, I'll let you get going here. I just wanted to give you some space at the end here too, just to see if there was anything else that you wanted to plug as we round out the show. No, man. I uh, I appreciate you letting me come on. I know I uh, you came up to me at the conference for people that don't know and asked me and you know it, it takes some confidence to be able to do that and everything. So you're doing the right stuff and I'm sure 
this podcast will grow in whatever way you want it to. It's It was fun coming Thanks. on. And if there's anything I can ever do to help, let me know. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you, man. And the key is you got to catch people outside the green room. See, everybody else, They this is the play. Everybody tries to rush stage. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to wait till the next session. This is an OG move, by the way. So like you learn that over time. You got to, you, you have to tactically approach it the right way. So I just appreciate you not having me tased or uh, arrested. That was my, that's my big thing. Oh, so, no, dude. Not, not, not a problem. It sounds like you should have been the one giving advice around uh, how to get guests because you did a good job. Oh, thanks, man. Well, anyway, all right, Joe, we'll, uh, we'll let you get going. But again, thanks again for coming on, man. And uh, all the best to you and excited to track Huddle Up and, and continue to see that grow. All right, that is a wrap. Again, shout out to Joe Pomp. Big fan of his stuff. If you haven't already, check out Huddle Up. Subscribe to his newsletter. There is some amazing content that he releases on a weekly basis if you're into anything related to sports and business, which I am and obsessed. So check out his stuff and hope to have him back on the podcast here in not too long. We got a big week coming up on the Assassin's Podcast. This week, actually, Entrepreneur featured an article I wrote on my experience working for P. Diddy and Bad Boy Entertainment. It was pretty, uh, pretty exciting time in my life, to say the least. So check that out. In the meantime, appreciate everyone tuning in each week. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. And keep getting that money. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything. Gation the game. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do business.